0: Accessed entry 423.JB3104, certificate number 32655. Erdish Bacon Sabbath. It's the law that states that anyone in Hollywood can be linked to Kevin Bacon in six steps or less, although it turns out that so many famous actors are a mere two degrees of separation.
1: Have you ever co authored a mathematical paper?
0: I have co-authored a book with an, another author who is a mathematician. And Go I, on, and I've never thought about this. the uh, The famous popular mathematician and science writer Martin Gardner, um, who wrote um, the mathematical games column in Scientific American for many years. Yes. So, just you know, every, you know, uh, for generations of nerds, kind of a monthly numbers game kind of a guy so well known in those fields um towards the end of his life he lived into his 90s and towards the end of his life he sold an idea for a book kind of collecting a lot of his books uh, his writings on word games he was also really into Lewis Carroll if you've ever seen the annotated Alice in Wonderland that sold a, a bajillion copies that was Gardner's work um He loved word games, and he sold an idea for a book collecting a lot of his word games. And then the manuscript was kind of in disarray. And then uh, he passed away not long after that. And his publisher reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to see if there's a way to shape this stuff into a book?
1: His writings?
0: Yeah. 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 And I believe he was still alive when they approached me. I never ended up I never got to meet him. But I was a huge fan of his work. You know, I I checked out his annotated Alice from the elementary school librarian when I was a kid. And he would often have weird math facts and magic tricks and uh puzzles in uh like Scientific American and Games magazine. And so I was like, sure, absolutely, you know, the chance to co-author something with Martin Gardner. And the manuscript was just kind of a mess because it was a bunch of his old articles. But I went through a a lot of his other old writing that I could find and I pulled out other word stuff and I kind of tried to categorize it more like how you would build a book. And um, I even ended up writing a few things in what I, you know, what I thought were his voice kind of expanding stuff he had, he had, um, he had written with some other ideas. And the book came out, you know, credited to Martin Garden, I think edited by Ken Jennings. And so that was very flattering to me, to, I'll say. even though I never got to meet the guy in his, you know, in his nineties, I, um, you know, to share a, oh, I'm wrong. He, no, he was, he was 96 when he passed. Wow. Um, so to share a byline with him was very, yeah. it was very flattering. And I, I still display my author copies with pride. So I guess, does that count? Am, am I a a co-author with an actual published ma- recreational mathematician? You are, and this is very exciting
1: to me, and it should be very exciting to you, and I'll get to why in a moment. Okay. Uh, we may have to do some math on this program, or at least some calculation. That's what
0: you like to hear at the beginning of a podcast. You want to hear the host say, well, we're going to be doing some some live calculation later yeah. on the air. Well,
1: you know, usually the, the inscrutable mathematics episodes of Omnibus belong to you. I don't even know if I've ever done one, and this one is not that inscrutable, but- we're going to do— I should hope not. We're going to do a little calculation, um, and I think we're going to be very pleasantly surprised by how—by the by the result. But I should start off by saying, um, I think everybody is familiar in our culture now with the concept of six degrees of separation. It became a kind of a—like a trope uh, relating to social networks and relating to the kind of interconnectivity of the modern world— was popularized by a Will
0: Smith film. Oh yeah, based on the the John Gore play.
1: The that's right.
0: I, and that's about it's about a, a kid who shows up and charms a like a wealthy Manhattan family by pretending to be Sidney Poitier's son or nephew or something. Right? Yeah,
1: he's a scammer, and he, uh, you know, it's a dramatic film, um, and it's not it's not strictly about the the phenomenon of six degrees, but of that separation. must come.
0: Do you know how that comes up in the? He
1: gives a little soliloquy at the end of the film where he kind of ruminates on, you know, the the idea. He's familiar. the the character in the film is familiar with the concept of six degrees of separation. That's kind of how he, um, it's it, he's using our susceptibility to that idea as his as his scam. You know he's he's always friends of a friend, right? Just just far enough away that you can't research it, but or can't can't quite figure it out. You know, can't figure out the connection. Rather, can't confirm the connection, but close enough that you do feel a connection with him enough that you let him stay at your
0: house. I heard the trope as a kid. I think one of my parents said, "Well, you know, you're only six degrees of separation from anyone on earth." Right. And I said, "What does that mean?" And they said, "Well, if you know." You're a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. You can get to anyone, anywhere, Siberia, um, Mozambique. It doesn't matter where. Um, and it's the type of thing your parents
1: would have said to you as a kid. and
0: Because it, it was kind of a nerdy, mind-blowing thing. That Wait, that's true. If I know 100 people and they each know 100 people and they each know 100 people, wow, I just already got to uh, a million yeah, right, right there, right. you know? And, of course, and I think even at the time, I realized, wait, that's not quite true because the people each of those hundred people I know will be more likely to know each other than a brand new set of a hundred people. That's right. So, that, I don't know if anybody's ever actually done the math on on how many levels it would take to get to anyone on earth.
1: yeah, you don't have you don't actually have ten trillion relatives uh, or ancestors because a lot of them were intermarrying and right. so forth. especially my ancestors. But the idea of that interconnectivity uh, was a thing throughout the 20th century. It was it was an idea like a cocktail party idea that mathematicians in particular were really fascinated by because you know it was a it was a playful space that um uh that kind of you know suggested all these other mathematical concepts and especially in the mid 20th century when mathematics and sociology and uh and psychology and all these these uh different kind of realms were doing quite a bit of overlapping in the the august halls of mit and yale and harvard uh this was a this was an idea that kind of incorporated a lot of these different uh, other fields where you could you know you could play with not just the the math questions but also the the
0: the sociological questions. The underpinning, the underlying math thing is very counterintuitive, I think, because our brains are bad at figuring out exponential growth, right? Right. Like, you know, you would assume, you know, you would naively assume, well, yeah, I know 10 people, and they each know 10 people, and they each know 10 people. That's probably about, what, 30 people? You know, we're, we're kind of bad at doing the... It's like the thing about the... Have you heard the thing about the chessboard where the... The guy just requests that the king give him one grain of wheat on the first square, and then two on the second square, and four on the third square, and doubling each time. And the king is like, "Oh, great, I'm going to get out of this easy." And he finds that by the time he gets to the second rank, his kingdom is empty of wheat because yeah. this, this guy snuckered him by being better at, at logarithms or something.
1: <laughs> and and in particular, when you introduce chaos into it, or or the or the number of um, the number of times that you know, your hundred people and the next hundred people overlap. Yeah. But, uh, but also, you know, there are so many different and and in particular in the early 20th century, so many reporting errors, like to actually trace this uh, and, and come up with a definitive average of how close people are, how closely people are connected in an era where you would have to, you know, you would contact one another by, by post, yeah uh, uh, any one person is not a
0: reliable would not reliably be able to know right. the the shortest route because at, at the time i heard this it seemed like an unknowable paradox like the thing about how somewhere on the earth you have an exact doppelganger running around right. you know and the funny thing is we're now living in a time where both things like that are solvable you know like it doesn't take that long on social media to find out how many degrees you are separated away from some Random Inuit guy.
1: But even then, it requires, I mean, it's a path that's only accessible through social media. Yes. And somebody my age, who half the people I went to college with, or high school with, I don't think are on social media.
0: And the other half you've probably blocked.
1: And the other half, well, no, no. The other half I'm still DMing going like,
0: I had such a crush on you. (laughs) They just want to talk about um, QAnon. They don't want to hear that.
1: (laughs) The idea, uh, the 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 germ of the idea, it seems to uh, it seems to trace back to Marconi. Uh, his as the he was, yes, yeah, he was kind of um, experimenting with radio. As he was playing the mamba, uh, the uh, the idea of it, um, the idea of the interconnectedness of everyone, uh, dawned on him and was kind of appealing to him because he was sort of pioneering this this initial broadcast medium. And he mentioned the idea of this interconnectedness as early as his 1909 Nobel Prize acceptance speech. Really? What did he, he what did he say? I mean his whole Nobel paper was generally about the the idea that you know you broadcast something, it's transmitted via uh you know further Transmission towers, you know, th- this is early radio. It's so not
0: one. To, it's not a one-to-one connection anymore.
1: Yeah, right? he sends something out. It is. It's echoed, or it is repeated by further repeaters, and pretty soon you get this kind of exponential growth. And that, and and he's envisioning that, um that being that having an element of reciprocity, right? And so suddenly, it's a question of how do you get a message to Ethiopia. From New York City, you know, the, the, the idea of interconnectedness part of his, part of his speech. And, and, and again, this idea resonates so much with mathematicians and, and writers and science fiction people. And, and, and still to this day, right. That's why it resonates so strongly with us now is that it's, that it's incredibly appealing to think of yourself as only a few kisses away from anyone in the world. But the idea um, of six degrees of separation really came from a, a Hungarian writer by the name of, and and uh, you know the uh, there are a lot of Hungarian names in this story because there are a lot of Hungarian mathematicians.
0: Let's so, say them all wrong
1: as so, a prank. So I'm going to say this one, even
0: though we know how to say them all. Let's just say them all wrong.
1: Uh, well, I don't as, know how to say them as all as a so bit. That. But uh, a a very hung, a famous and and uh, and celebrated Hungarian writer frigius Carinthi sure that's right uh wrote a wrote a short story as part of a, a collection of short stories um and the story was called uh chains and he Ch- was also chains. chains not change uh he was he was speculating on uh, all of these ideas like how far would how how many um how many stops along the way would it take for me to meet, to to make a connection to anyone in Hungary and then ultimately kind of to anyone in the world. And he kind of postulated this idea that he could get to anyone. It was almost, uh, and within the, within the story itself, it was kind of a dare. A character said like, I bet I can get to anybody in the world in, in six stops, five or six stops. And that idea was very kind of appealing Unfortunately, it led to the
0: Amazing Race.
1: The,
0: what is the, what is the Amazing show? Race? Oh, I don't know. They just go around the world. Never mind. But they don't actually me- do mm-hmm. they meet other people? No, it would be a f- yeah they do. Oh, but know. it would be a fun idea for like this would be the a fun basis for some kind of a quiz show or podcast or something where you try to connect um, yourself to somebody on the far side of the world. There are
1: a lot of TV shows, or I mean, sorry, there are a lot. There are a lot of. Um attempts to kind of dramatize this and usually what ends up happening is it's it's sort of like 6 degrees of separation the actual degrees of connection are not known to the characters in the in the sitcom or not sitcom in the drama or the film it's a it's a it's a literary device where you're basically telling the story telling six yeah. separate stories but there's a butterfly flapping its wings across
0: the whole thing. This is increasingly common and I assume it's because of this Thomas Friedman idea we all now have that, you know, it's it's such a smaller world. All of our actions affect people far away in ways you will never see and because you will never see it the only way to kind of visualize it is dramatized through these these movies like Babble, or right. what's the one about the eighteen grams or whatever the soul weighs, where you kind of see these little snatches of a magnolia, where you see little snatches of a story, and then And it, it, the
1: interconnectedness it, is yeah. only obvious to you as the as the viewer, and yeah. it's
0: invited to it's invited to we're invited to kind of apply that to our own lives and think how many little stories we pass or affect every day without knowing. And the thing about
1: the 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 game itself, you know, making that connection between you and somebody else is that it's really a parlor game. It's not, it's not interesting beyond just sort of the, it's, you know, it's personal, the fun of realizing like you're only five, you know, stops along the way. But, but the average actually is pretty low. So, so doing a, doing a TV show about it, everybody would find they were five kisses away from anybody else. And is it lower, is it lower
0: than six? Like is six a, a pessimistic guess?
1: So jumping ahead. You know, this is something that Twitter and Facebook both really want to explore because it's, it's maybe one of the fundamental premises of social media is how exciting this is. And, and it's, it's, um, it's an idea that, that kind of is a under thread throughout the whole computer, you know, the, the whole internet age, like, oh, this interconnectedness can't help, but be a good thing. It's a social good. It's a, yeah you know, it's so exciting And so Facebook and Twitter, we'll see looking back how how difficult it was early on to establish any kind of reliable benchmark because how are you going to do it with sending postcards out, right? I mean, the vast majority of them don't get returned. But on Facebook, you can actually calculate how far anyone is from anyone else. And on Twitter, too. And the average – Facebook's calculated average is 4.57 people. Between any two Between Facebook any two people accounts. on Facebook. And on Twitter, it's
0: 4.67. So weird, you know, like... That, like, m- that might be the actual number, it, at least for uh, internet-enabled earthlings.
1: Yeah, right. Right around four and a half people away from anybody else on the internet using social media, which, as you suggested earlier, is still a smaller group. Um, or, I'm sorry, a more enclosed group than anyone in the world. I mean, as soon as you account for the Centennialese, who are... <laughs> Not connected, right? It, it throws the average off for everyone. There are going well, to the, yeah,
0: be a few little islands that are impossible.
1: And people, you know, their whole, uh, until Elon Musk's balloons or whatever, you know, or, or Bill Gates's balloons connect everyone to the internet, there are whole giant swaths of the world that aren't on the internet at all. So they're not, they're not uh, part of this calculation. But amazing to think that when you do get tens and tens of millions of people all connected on the internet, that... Just following Facebook groups, you're only, you know, you're less than five people away from, from anybody, from Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-il, right? Does Uh, he have a Facebook page? I'm guessing he has a Twitter account. It's just under an alias. (laughs) (laughs) He's just some guy named Roberta. But this was, this was a, um, you know, this idea went around through mathematicians. And in, in, uh, in 1961, a mathematician by the name of Michael Gurevich, started doing a a study, you know trying to trying to codify this into an, an actual study of social connectedness. And his research got you know picked up by um, by other mathematicians who started to to really try to systematize it. Uh, Manafred Cochin and Ithiel de Sola Poole uh, co-wrote. A, uh, a, he's, he's elvish. He's 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 absolutely an elf. It's fantastic. Uh, they co-wrote a paper called "Contacts and Influences," and their you know their sort of theory and a lot of this is just postulation, right? Like just a, throwing a number out, imagining. And in their paper, they suggested that any two people can uh, can connect through as few as two intermediaries. But you know, they're talking. I think. Um yeah what's the connection there ever ever passed each other at Disneyland Uh I, I in that world they're they're just trying to make connections between other people not just at MIT because I think that would be much easier everybody at MIT everybody eating in the MIT lunchroom is at least you know is probably about two intermediaries but you know it's a much smaller group there at that time they weren't talking about everyone in the world Um and a, a lot of this was
0: if the connection has to be sex how high do you think the number is
1: I mean, well, a lot of
0: virgins are off the graph altogether.
1: That's right, um, and they're going to be and it, they're going to be some some real connectors
0: and monogamously. Fa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Monogamously faithful people are just islands of two, right? Um, so there's a lot of maybe like one and two islands off there. But then you're right; there's some people that are just going to be train stations.
1: I, yeah, I think you're going yeah, to find that the network is going to be kind of patchy. It's going to be more closer to a neur- neuronal network. But you network. need people like that.
0: Yeah. Like I feel like super connectors like that actually make the you know, they make the degree of separations happen, right?
1: Well, that's very true in the in the 6 degrees. Yeah, yeah uh, and this is the kind of Malcolm Gladwell concept of, the mavens, of, yeah. of these people that uh, and 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 in some of these MIT studies we we see that playing out, you know, and that's where Malcolm Gladwell kind of got the, got the insight.
0: Oh, wow. So but, we wouldn't have Malcolm Gladwell
1: if not for this. Oh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell had some other things going too, but no,
0: that was the first book, right? Uh, yeah,
1: right. It was the first book. The, um, th- these ideas overlapped with a lot of the idea, the mid 20th century ideas that, uh, that governments and, you know, and state, state operators had some, um, not just obligation, but that, that, if we were going to create a true sort of social democratic utopias that they, that that was going to necessitate urban design on the grand scale. This is kind of the housing project era. This is the, you know, the urban redevelopment era.
0: So density is the goal. Well, but
1: density, but also architecture. I mean, the, the, the best side of that, of that mid 20th century idea was that through architecture and technology, uh, we were going to um, eliminate poverty and eliminate wants. We were going to create these uh, classless societies where everyone lived in harmony because we all had sort of perfect living environments. We were, you know, labor saving devices. We're going to create a generation of, of, Philosopher kings who, through leisure, were you know had their time to they could devote their their time to to reading Wittgenstein. Skeptical, Uh, is that right? You're skeptical. My kids won't even load the dishwasher. But some of this, some of this, well, don't you know? Don't tell AOC. Some of this. uh, 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 these worlds really overlapped it in the academy at the time, the the urban design people, the kind of um, people that believed that, that the state was going to be the major driver of the uh, you know, th- of democratization and the idea of interconnectedness and the idea, the ideas that, uh, that, 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 that that idea spawned, it produced as you can imagine, a proliferation of mathematics papers and sociological papers. Uh, a sociologist and mathematician and scientist and polymath uh, by the name of Stanley Milgram. Oh, yeah. Who uh, really is... So is, he's not a one-hit wonder? No, he's, he's, uh, he's known for the Milgram experiment, which was the one where you, you take volunteering off the street and you say, hey, we're, gonna, we're trying to teach this, uh, this collaborator on the other side of the glass... And uh, when they get it wrong, just give them a little electric shock. Uh, and then, you know, oh, geez, they're really getting, you know, like, crank crank, crank the electricity
0: until they're like, ah! And it's actually a prop person back there just screaming. And, and almost- it turns out it's very easy to make undergraduates... Um- Zappa, Zap Spencer. each other.
1: Yeah. And Milgram was doing research in obedience, uh, you know, like people's tendency to obey science or, or authority figures. Often
0: trotted out to explain fascism and other kinds of authoritarian trends.
1: But Milgram also conducted the Small World Experiment where he was using the work of Gurevich and Koken and and, you know, actually now trying to run classical experiments— to determine this six degrees of separation. And the way that they did it was they had a little packet that they sent out uh, to random people in Wichita, Kansas, and Omaha, Nebraska, which to them back at MIT or at Yale- seemed like the epitome of random- Yeah, how much further away could you be than Wichita? And these little packets said, hi, here's what we're doing. We're trying to get you to, we're trying to see how close you are to this person in Boston, Massachusetts, and I think it might have been Milgram himself.
0: What a thrill to find out how close you are to
1: Stanley Milgram! I know, especially in 1967. Uh, and so, what they asked was, send this postcard to the person you think is going to be closest to Stanley Milgram, and if you know me, send it right to me. But uh, <laughs> that would really break the experiment if he just sent it out to all his friends. Send it to the person you think is going to be, is going to get this to me the fastest. And then write the name of that person that you sent it to on a separate postcard and send it to me. And then send this packet along with the postcard. You know, and it's a fairly complicated, hopeful expectation that the next person is going to get your postcard. Also fill out the card who they're sending it to and send the postcard and packet to them. Yeah. And so Milgram is getting this flood of postcards sort of tracing
0: uh, a path. Maybe not the shortest path. We don't know that, but the path but over. Yeah. It'll, it'll have a tendency toward efficiency as he gets a lot of them.
1: And the, and the thing is that what, what they discovered was that most people think geographically in
0: that sense. Do I, I know anyone in Boston? That really makes m- more sense. It does. I okay. mean, I would think, I mean, today maybe less so, but I would think, I would still think that way over who do I know who's a sociologist.
1: Right. And uh, but it it turns out, you know, of course, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, my brother lives in Chicago. Turns out he's dating, you know, or yeah. you know, like it. It would end up being, well, you can never know how many sh- much shorter paths. You
0: and we. I travel a lot, and I would say we still know as many people in Seattle as we do everywhere else put together, right?
1: Right, right. Well, so, yeah, right. I mean, if you just look at your Twitter followers or mine, um, you know, I mean, a lot. the
0: internet has changed it for sure.
1: It has, but more more, it's just changed. Um, the effect of mavens. It turned out that Milgram, uh, 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 like a huge proportion of the, the the postcards that actually made it to him, came through one person in Boston. Oh, there's who, maven. And what they said was that the the postcards had no trouble getting to the Boston area in one or two steps, but then they floated around Boston. People in Boston kind of sending it to their friend that Cause, they thought—
0: Because then it's less clear how, you know, it's very easy to be like, okay, I, can, I, know, I know how to get it close to him. But once right. you're in Boston, what do you do? Uh, doesn't your sister work it? Yeah, Te- teach exactly. It? Didn't she used to teach it?
1: Yeah. I mean, you could just look him up in the phone book and send it directly to him. That
0: doesn't count. But that doesn't that breaks it. That would be like—I wonder if you did it today, would you count um, people you kind of know on Twitter? That's a weird social parasocial thing.
1: Well, it is, and I and and as we'll see, like determining exactly what constitutes a uh, a connection yeah. is also part of what makes this. You know, Facebook. It's like I'm friends with a bunch of people. I, you
0: know, like, that's why my brandos. idea to make it a sex act
1: is, is a big improvement. Yes. Although for some people, no, nope, you know, no, nope, virtual sex is account. They're, well, no, for some people, they never know the last names of the people they have sex with, <laughs> or at least half of them. <laughs> Uh, and what they found was that it was, um, you know, we, you could, you could, uh, the the very few of them that made it to him, made it through, to him, uh, through a relatively small number of social links, like three or four, um, to get a postcard from some random person in Omaha or Wichita. And that's uh, even
0: without any design of somebody trying to. Is somebody with knowledge of how to find the shortest way two steps away.
1: Yeah, this is just like my brother lives in Boston, or I knew a, you know a guy I went to high school. But of course, these are people in Omaha, and Wichita that had addresses in the phone book. So, which would be more common then? Yeah. So they write they they wrote several articles for um, you know that, that were kind of like this this was all this was all kind of fun. Uh, like so much of mathematics and, and sociological research at the time. Um, and even the stuff that was very political, it also still felt kind of, you know, Richard Feynman level of like play. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I mean, I think now the, the political ramifications of all this stuff kind of imbues it with, an extra
0: layer of, uh, Sort of fraught feeling. Oh, you mean like how we bubble ourselves off ideologically now, right. and how we silo ourselves professionally? Yeah, I see. But the the
1: actual research paper kind of never got published. It got published in a couple of magazine articles, but um, but the research paper just got handed around among among other mathematicians and inspired a lot of people to investigate different uh, different versions of this. So the the idea and and and. You would think that, that um, the actual play, Six Degrees of Separation, which was written, as you said, by John Ger- Gare. Is that mm-hmm. how you would say it? John Guare? It looks like Guare the band. John, do you, do you, Well, except with an E at the do you end. you think he's a member of Guare. Guare. Uh His 1990 it's Gu- play. It's Gare, I think. It's Gare. I don't know if you say the U. Oh, it's like, Gare, like like war. What is it good for? Huh. The average age of a combat soldier in Vietnam was... 19. John Guer, John John Guare's... It's Guare. It's Guare. John Guerre's 1990 play, Six Degrees of Separation, was... um, It was, you know, it was kind of assumed that 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 idea came from, uh, well, at least from... uh, From these academic uh, treatments? Or from Corinthi's, you know, story, which was pretty well known in Hungary, uh, he claims that he got the idea from Marconi's 1909 Nobel Prize speech. So, I mean, he's obviously more more uh,
0: erudite than we expected. But yeah, that... I, I couldn't really rattle off too many things from Marconi's <laughs> Nobel acceptance <laughs> speech, just as a literary trope. And I'm me, and you are you. I'm zero degrees from me.
1: But the play the play was very successful. The play, you know starred Stockard Channing and uh, among other, um, luminaries. And it went through various, you know, there various touring companies and it introduced the idea somewhat into the popular culture so that, or I mean, at least the literary culture.
0: Putting it in the title is a big, is a big power move, you know, even if you don't know, see, I didn't, I had never seen the play or the movie and I still, and I didn't know how the idea worked, but I knew the idea because it was the title. Yeah. Right. You understood the
1: understood the concept. Um, And the movie got made in, uh, in 19, when did that movie come out? 1994, 1993, uh, the Will Smith starring, or the Will Smith vehicle, Six Degrees of Separation, really, really introduced it into mainstream consciousness. And in 1994, uh, on some, one of those inside the actors studio interviews with Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon was talking about how he had been in movies, you know, just kind of, he was, as a joking aside, he said, you know, he he felt like he had worked. He was a, he, Kevin Bacon's a very prolific actor.
0: And a, and a character actor who has played supporting roles in. So many films with so many big stars. And maybe more than, a, maybe more of those kind of movies than a big star would be, you know, because a big right. star might make one or two of those a year. A supporting Kevin, actor who works only 10 days on the movie might, might make three or four. Big movies a year, and you see
1: Kevin Bacon when you look at his CV, right? He's in Animal House. He's in a he's in a uh, hundred movies that you wouldn't that yeah, right where he passes through. He's got a few lines.
0: He's perfect for this because he's the kind of person everybody knows who he is because he's got a few iconic roles. But also, you just see him everywhere. He's not one of those that guys because you can also name him right. It probably doesn't hurt that his name is Bacon.
1: How's how so? Just if, everybody, if, everybody if you're going to choose
0: somebody for this game, yeah, like why not somebody whose name as well as their face and career are memorable? Right, instead of like Mastroani or somebody. Exactly, it would be hard, bit hard to do. Well, that would,
1: yeah, that would kind of roll off the tongue. Actually, six degrees of. Mastroani. I mean, I love Jack Klugman, but nobody wants to play six, six degrees, degrees of Klugman. Um, but Kevin uh, Kevin Bacon just suggested this as kind of a. I mean, he was he was he was. He was definitely not trying to precipitate a game or even a challenge. Mm-hmm. But it was a group of of college students at Albright College in 1994 who were kind of having a Kevin Bacon film fest there in the dorm and uh, watched Footloose and Animal House back to back or whatever they were and started to play the game like, oh, you know, one of them had seen the inside the actor's studio episode and said, you know, let's try and connect Kevin Bacon to name an actor. And in the course of it, their familiarity with the with the the film and the general concept, they invented the the uh, the game 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon,
0: which is a bit of a misnomer cuz you can usually do it in a lot less than six. Right? In a lot less, right? And and that was what was so fun about it. It's a small universe. The people who have been in movies. It's you know, if, if six is the number for planet Earth, you would expect people you can name in movies to be a much smaller. number. Although sometimes it is a fairly convoluted path. Uh, off, I mean, off the top, the idea is off the top of your head, maybe you can do it in six. Whereas if you were maximizing this using IMDb, it, yeah, it, there's probably a two or three movie answer.
1: And and these games were all happening in a pre in a pre-Wikipedia world That's or the IMDb. Thing. Do you
0: remember playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon without IMDb? Well,
1: some people are really gifted at it. Like, you would be incredible at it because you remember people in movies, right? And I would be like, I don't know Harrison Ford was in Indiana Jones. What else did you're, he you're
0: do? You're kind of doing, some, to some degree, you can do the postcard thing where you're like, if I need to get back in time, I need mean, to a movie where Kevin Bacon was with an old person. I guess Right. Jack Lemon is in JFK, although maybe you're not supposed to use JFK in some of these variants because it's too makes it too easy.
1: No, and I think JFK is the is such a connector, right? That's the that, Maven. Yeah. And and if you if you if you trace most people, you're going to find some some big movie like that that's got a huge cast. But,
0: I, it, but you're, you you're trying to hold a bunch of people in your head as you spiral outward and you're like you know, you, maybe you're working from both sides. See, I have no idea who was in any
1: movie. I barely remember the title of the movie or, I mean, I remember the plot, but I don't remember any of the actors. So this is one of these sort of trivia game games that would be fun if I could do it with bands. And we'll get yeah, to that exactly. in a second. We'll get to
0: that in a the, second. Uh, I remember like kind of an expert level thing actually on paper trying to figure out a way to connect. And I, I at some point I did this. I connected all these other actors named Kevin all to each other in one step and to Kevin Bacon in one step. Because, uh-huh. you know, Kevin Klein and Kevin Costner were both in Silverado, but Kevin Klein and Kevin Bacon were both in. Uh, I'm not sure, but something. Whereas Kevin Costner and Kevin Bacon were both in. JFK. So everybody
1: is just two degrees or one degree from Kevin Bacon. Yeah, and Kevin one
0: Spacey degree. hadn't been canceled yet. Kevin Dunn. Like I got four or five different Kevins all to connect to each other in a sphere with Kevin Bacon in the center. And I really did feel like I had advanced the science of Baconology, although I never told anyone until right now, I think.
1: So this was a super fun game for uh, nerds like you, but, uh, at, but like film nerd, you have to be a film nerd and also a nerd enough to want to play this connectivity game. Yeah, there's right? kind of a
0: math angle too. Yeah.
1: So and I I absolutely remember when everybody was doing this and I and it was just kind of like looking at the uh, looking at the the hidden picture of a dolphin by crossing your eyes. <laughs> I couldn't play it. What are be- you seeing? Because I just was not. I couldn't. Not only could I not play it, but I could barely enjoy hearing other people. But it was a super fun game and it persists to this day the Kev- the the bacon number which Kevin Bacon was not into at first because he felt like it was ridiculing him Yeah. Um actors
0: are uh, are touchy. Yeah. But he ag- he gradually Cuz the name of the game was not Kevin Bacon is a is a sensitive and important uh character
1: actor. Kevin guy. Bacon is a stud. He's been in all these movies. It was like how far away are you from Kevin Bacon? He felt ridiculous. But now I think he feels like Maybe the Bacon number will. I mean, it's 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 enhanced his stature and career. No, very few other people have a number. It's not even.
0: It's a compliment. It's not even yeah. a backhanded compliment to say this guy's done a lot of work with actors you recognize. Like that's that's not a bad thing to say.
1: But it may overshadow his acting career. I mean, you may now. What I mean, can you watch a Kevin Bacon movie without thinking? No. Oh, I'm going to get a bunch of.
0: I think that would be. Bacon I, I, I assume that was his resistance, you know, to it. Right. That it was making him a. Uh, a, a, a Waldo. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's just a cog in a in a, a cog. in a game. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a space filler that could be filled by any actor, but they chose him for reasons irrelevant to his talent. He's
1: he's since embraced it. What's funny is that the popularization of the game was a result of these Albright College students thinking it was funny enough that they wrote a letter to John Stewart and said. We came up with
0: this game. Wait, was was the Daily Show even on yet? This was 1995. So, so isn't that still Craig Kilborn? No, it's pre-Daily Show, it's right? Pre-Daily so Show. So John, they must be writing to John Stewart on his other oh, talk show. No, his MTV show. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so uh, they ended
1: up getting invited to be on the John Stewart show. They also did Howard Stern, where they sat and played this game, and you can imagine that this is the exact kind of of uh, celebrity filler that that shows like this crave. And that was what really ignited the game in the popular culture. And as a college student, as a kind of beer pong movie game. Um, And so, you know, now Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon is, is in a way uh, a method of determining other actors status. You know, having a Bacon number, and having a close bacon, number, you know, a low bacon number is a kind of a, you know, it's something that ends up on your Wikipedia page or at
0: least. Yeah. For our working actor. Yeah. Like the first time you can actually do the Kevin Bacon connection, that must be exciting. But the idea of connecting, of doing a con-
1: connection game to a maven, to a hub is actually much older and it, uh, it's around the, the sort of cult of personality of Hungarian mathematician Paul Erdős, who is a, a a legendary figure in mathematics. Is he the Kevin Bacon of? He's the Kevin Bacon of mathematics, and he's actually the he uh, like six degrees of of Paul Erdős predates six degrees of Kevin Bacon by oh, interesting thirty five years.
0: Did they actually call it the six degrees thing?
1: Basically, they the the idea of there being an Erdős number dates all the way back to 1969, an article written by uh, mathematician, Casper Goffman. Um, he in writing about the way that mathematicians co-write papers with one another and the kind of, um, that collaborative and, uh, and sort of promiscuous way that math gets made as a social activity. Mathematicians get together and they scrawl, uh, chicken scratches on chalkboards and they work through math problems collaboratively, and then they publish collaboratively.
0: So, and Erdős was um,
1: particularly well known and particularly prolific. Erdős was so, incredibly prolific.
0: He wrote over fifteen hundred math papers, or oh, wow. or, or co-wrote fifteen hundred math papers with other writers and other probably leading math people. If he's a big name, so it's easy to get from him to anywhere in the math world. That's right. And and he was famously um, he
1: he he was an eccentric as so many of these, these math geniuses are at four years old. He could, if you told him your age, he could calculate how many seconds you had been alive oh. in his, you know, it's just like very much a savant of math.
0: I can do that, but it's how many seconds you have to live.
1: Really? Yeah. I, I can do it, but it's how many seconds are in a minute. <laughs> 60. <laughs> it's the same for everybody. But Erdos, Erdos, Believed that math was intrinsically a social experience, a a social activity, a social um, pursuit. And he did so so much that he never, uh, in his adult life, had a home. He had a. He was couch surfing? He was. He put all his belongings in one suitcase and he lived his entire life traveling from mathematician to
0: mathematician. He would show up on your doorstep. He'd pretend to be Sidney Poitier's nephew.
1: He expected you to house him and feed him, and He's do, like an elf. do his laundry and give him, you know, like uh, <laughs> a, and take him around to cocktail parties. You and he would work on a on a math problem. You would solve it or write a paper about it, and then he expected you to connect him with somebody else down so the road. So he was
0: doing the Erdős number in life as well as in.
1: He was art, and mathematicians loved him. He was uh, he was charismatic and a colorful character, and he traveled the world, um, going to conferences and then shacking up with with other mathematicians and working on problems.
0: Here's a question: Do you feel like your band had enough popularity that you could do this?
1: No, but a band just slightly, and I think it's I think it's cultural cultural too. Like if you're a punk rock
0: band you're already couch surfing
1: right like mud honey could could travel the world and be put up in super cool squats all around the universe for the rest of their lives i
0: feel like you could do it based on podcast listenership alone yeah
1: maybe oh okay if if you take that into consideration i could absolutely throw some stuff in a small bag hit the road and never come home
0: let's do the math you have tens of thousands of listeners How, yes. what percentage of them would be willing to let you sleep on their couch
1: i bet you 1 in 3 I bet you there are, there are 1,500 to 2,000 people in the world right now who would let me crash That's in perfect. the couch. Yeah. So even if you live 50 more years... um, And some of them would have me for a couple of nights. Right. Some of them would happily have me for two weeks, at which point I would start to smell. And I mean, out. if there's
0: really 2,000, you really only need to average about every week or two, I think. Yeah, right.
1: So absolutely possible. And if I wrote a paper... With each one of those people? You write write a song. Wait a minute. What am I doing with my life? Why am I not doing this? You record a podcast with each person. This is a great idea, actually. You just invented the Roderick number. (laughs) Have you done a podcast? How many podcasts are you away from having done a podcast with John Roderick?
0: I don't know what my equivalent would be. I mean, everybody you see on Jeopardy every night has beaten me on Jeopardy by the transitive property. Right. So maybe your Jennings number is just how many people, interesting, how many people you are away from beating me on. On Jeopardy. Because you if, if you didn't beat me, you beat somebody who beat me. Or more likely, you beat somebody who beat, you know, times, beat, a few yeah. hundred times who beat me.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, right. What's your Jeopardy number? What, or your Jennings number? What's your Roderick number? These are going to be things that futurelings probably know about themselves. There's, They're going to have it on their business cards. trade and brag. But the Erdos number was something that became a kind of source of um, pride among mathematicians. You're going a low one, yeah. And also, you know— um, Sociologists and uh, social scientists, let's say, because of the overlap of mathematics and urban design and, and uh, social theorists and linguists. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of collaboration from people. Um, so where, it's, it's allowed to be outside the mathematical field. Yeah. As long as you co-write an academic paper with someone who has co-written an academic paper with, with um, Erdosch. Or you know up the chain, yeah. You can have a, you can legitimately have an Airdosh number, and it's what keeps me from having an Airdosch number because I have never co-written an academic paper. But what we have discovered about you is that, and I think your book ab- with your book with Martin Martin Gardner absolutely qualifies. You think absolutely it does? Given it wasn't peer-reviewed, <laughs> no, but given the number of uh, of you know, things that I've seen that do qualify one for an Erdos number, yours does. And Martin Gardner has an Erdos number of one. He co-wrote a paper with Erdos, meaning you have an Erdos number of two. Is that true? Which is the same Erdos number that Einstein has. (laughs) Wow. Um, it It is an exceptionally low Erdos number. And the problem is that Erdos is dead. And so no one... You're not minting any new... There are no new Erdos numbers of one. But you can, you know, it can extend into the past and in the future, obviously. But the lowest one you can have is a two now. Um, That's the lowest number that anybody could have that didn't actually co-wrote a paper with it. So when you told me that at the top of the show, I was so thrilled because...
0: What an honor for you to be sitting here with somebody with such a low Erdos number. Well, it really is because what it suggests is...
1: uh, uh, that you might actually have um, an Erdos-Bacon Sabbath number,
0: and what, what is that?
1: We'll get to this in just one second. So, it's just like the egot of uh, it is of John Guer Games, it absolutely is. So, when the Bacon number became part of the popular culture, it obviously resonated with all the math people who had already been using Erdos numbers for years as a sign of your kind of. Prominence and connectedness as a mathematician, and so there were uh, there were people immediately who began to wonder if there were people that had a Erdos-Bacon number.
0: Right, you'd have to be both in a movie or you know connect in a movie and an author of an academic paper. Right, and there are maybe not surprisingly quite
1: a few people who have uh, Erdos-Bacon numbers, and an Erdos-Bacon number you have to have you know it's determined by Um, you add your bacon number and your Erdos number together. Is that right? Um, it's additive. It's additive. So, oh wait, no, it's not true because I think you, hmm. you average them. Do you average them? I don't know. How, how is it calculated? Hang on. Um, no, it's the, oh, it's, it's the, the sum. sum. They're it's added the sum. together. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Richard Feynman, for example, somebody that you would expect would have a bacon or an Erdos bacon number because he's a mathematician, but also a pop, a pop, pop culture figure. pop pop culture person. Um, he has a an actually an Erdos number of three because it goes through Nicholas Metropolis
0: and let's see with Nicholas Metropolis he wrote an art uh, an. Uh, paper on the equations of the state of elements based on Fermi-Thomas theory. Right. Metropolis of course and I knew that. Stanislaw Ulam, as you know, did a paper on probabilities called the Monte Carlo method. And then Ulam and Paul Erdős wrote a set theory paper called On Equations with Sets is Unknown. So he's just three people away from Paul Erdős.
1: Feynman Erdisch. is three people, but he also has a bacon number of three, did he act? What's
0: what's his movie credit?
1: Yeah, he was in. Um, oh, I see. He's in a science fiction movie called Anti Clock. Anti Clock. Yeah. What Th- is that? Stephen Hawking has a very low Bacon number because he was in. Uh, he appeared alongside John Cleese in a Monty Python live
0: sort of uh, like a filmed, film, a filmed uh, performance.
1: Um, but his Erdos number is four um, because. You know, he was, he's, he's distant. He's, he's four distant from having actually written a paper with Erdos.
0: I'm, I'm very interested in, um, Feynman's film career. I guess there's a, un, uh, like a little known actor named Tony Tang, who is, a uh, just a bit part in both Anti Clock and the Guy Ritchie crime movie Snatch. And Snatch of course has mumbly Brad Pitt, who is right. also in sleepers with our boy, Kevin Bacon. Carl Sagan also has a lower Bacon
1: number than an Erdos number. Uh, His Bacon number is only two, and his Erdos number is four. But what's interesting is that there are a lot of people coming from the Bacon side of the equation that have Erdos numbers, including uh, uh, Danica McKellar, who was Winnie Cooper in Wonder Years. But is now famously a mathematician. Mathematician. And also uh, Natalie Portman, who co-wrote a math paper.
0: At Yale. At Yale, right. Yeah, I guess the reason why they... The Bacon number would often be lower than the Erdős number. It's just probably a function of the fact that these math papers have three or four collaborators max, whereas a movie will have fifty performers or more.
1: Right, and and a lot of uh, a lot of the, the the math people who have Bacon numbers are either sport casting, um, at, you know, appearing as a as a walk on as yeah. a mathematician, or they're in documentaries. Or do we count that? Well, this is the problem with with uh, with the popularity of having an erdos number means that people w- want to have uh, to have that collaboration lead to erdos and the popularity of 6 degrees of kevin bacon um, and most of them have not been in a scripted film well so the bacon rules which were stipulated by their inventors at albright college are that you cannot it cannot be a television show it cannot be a play you have to have been in a film with Kevin Bacon.
0: Yeah, cuz then I have no yeah, cuz I have no Bacon number then because any of my credits would be TV.
1: So I was really curious if I had a Bacon number. And so in not understanding the rules at first, I thought I had a Bacon number of 3 because I have quite a few connections um that do have two that do have Bacon numbers of 2. I did a television show with Dick Cavett. I've been on TV with Hodgman many times and they both have um bacon numbers of two through various films.
0: Hodgman was in the um, Arthur remake? No.
1: He something. He, his his bacon number is calculated through the movie Learning to Drive, where he mm-hmm. co-starred with Patricia Clarkson. And then she was in Beyond All Boundaries with Kevin Bacon. So I was really psyched that I had a bacon number of three. Um, and then I realized that TV didn't count. So then I tried to make a my bacon connection through the Drew Barrymore film Mad Love. Which people, which I did show up for the filming of Mad Love as an extra in the grunge rock, uh, party scene. It's a shot here. It was shot in Seattle. I was in the crowd, but halfway through the filming, I got bored and they were serving apple juice as beer. So we were all standing around with pints of apple juice, looking like we were having a beer party. But the Comet Tavern was right across the street and they served real beer. And so I excused myself from the from the the filming to go across the street and get myself a glass of actual beer back when beer mattered to me a lot. And then somehow by by means of conversation across the street, I didn't make it back to the rest of the filming, which lasted through the night. People have said they see me in a pan shot as Drew Barrymore is walking down um the ramp at at uh, the formerly Moe's. But I, I'm not sure that I'm actually in the film. I'm certainly not credited. But then I realized that I did appear as a credited actor in the Charles Mudede movie, about, Thin Skin.
0: Oh, I thought it was going to be the horse one.
1: No, uh, uh, it's about um, Aham uh, and his one-man show. Yeah.
0: Is it a, just a filmed? Is it a filmed? It's a it's a, a feature a, film, a Hamaluo show, or is it a it's fi- it's, it's, a, it's 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 dramatized? A scripted film. Okay. Yeah, a scripted
1: film, and I appear as um, as a kind of manager in the office. I walk down the sta- the stairs at one point carrying a file. I'm actually in the background of like three or four scenes, and I'm in the credits. And through um, through Dwayne Kennedy, who appears in the film who was in the movie Talking Dirty After Dark with Martin Lawrence, this is a chain of connection that you wouldn't expect. There's no
0: way Martin Lawrence is the closest way to connect you to,
1: is it? That my closest connection is through Martin Lawrence and then through Stephen Toblowski, who is in Murder in the First with Kevin Bacon. So I have a, Kev- I have a Bacon number confirmed of four. It might be lower, um, but that's the closest I could get. And you're you're saying that you've never appeared in a feature film? So I guess you don't. I've
0: been in a couple documentaries, and not just not just archival footage of me, but I've actually been interviewed. In, so I think that's so count. I may be able to make it happen, but I've never.
1: The idea that put you would time. have a Bacon Erd- or an Erdos Bacon Sabbath number is so exciting to
0: me. I don't feel like I could have the Sabbath number. What are the qualifications for that?
1: Well, so in rock and roll, Black Sabbath is famous for having had a lot of touring musicians, people that join the band for a tour to, you know, kind of bulk up the sound. Plus, Ozzy has
0: collaborated with every single person in the universe. Yeah. And so Sabbath— I feel like I would not pick them as the nexus of all. It's a little metal-centric, this— uh, Right, except that's kind of what makes it interesting, right? An Erdos number— that's the contrast. You know, a, yeah. a Kevin Bacon number, like Sabbath is— but if you were just you, you know if you just did wanted to do share the stage you'd pick somebody with a lot you'd pick Dylan or something.
1: Yeah, right. Or um, Dylan would be the obvious one or or one of these, you know, modern musicians who collaborates with everybody. Sure. Moby or, or so just some pan genre person, Johnny Cash. But using the Sabbath number um, you can connect pretty much everyone in rock and roll. Um, we'll find a a connection to Sabbath within four or five people. My Sabbath number is is uh, pretty low. I, I have a three Sabbath number because Duff McKagan made a record with Ozzy, and Mike Squires plays in Duff McKagan's band, and Mike played on the Long Winter's record.
0: And it does it have to be a recorded performance, or is it a single? Sh- stage
1: sharing moment so I think it has to be a recorded performance because anybody can get up on stage I mean if I if it's up on stage I have a Sabbath number of two um, and so there are these you know th- there are restrictions with with a, a bacon number just to keep everybody in the world from having one like Erdos you have to have published a paper you can't just have shared a stage with him or passed him in a, in an airport but it but once the Sabbath number was established, of course, the idea that there would be people who had an Erdos Bacon Sabbath number—who um, is
0: recording as well as who has who has a number—well,
1: so the Erdos Bacon Sabbath number was um, was kind of a, a a joke that was first suggested by a blogger like an early internet, not early internet, but like mid-period internet blogger by the name of Time Blimp, who in 2011 had a website, you know, that was, that was like we see a billion of them now that are just clearing houses of weird stuff on the internet. Like, check it out, you'll never guess. Um, and Time Blimp was the first one to put the three together and say, who has an Erdos Bacon Sabbath number? And it turned out, a lot of people do, and you can imagine that there are a lot of mathematicians who, by appearing in a documentary film or uh, playing the violin with a with a symphony at some point, can trace some path. Um, but there are some surprising people with Erdős-Bacon Sabbath numbers, like, for instance, Condoleezza Rice has one.
0: So what what's the recording there if if a sample of her voice gets dropped into something is that is that how she makes the Sabbath? So the problem with with
1: Condoleezza Rice is that her bacon number comes through television. She was on an episode of 30 Rock.
0: Well, the other problem with her is, you know, the t- last 20 years of endless war. Well, sure, but but aside from aside that. from that,
1: but she p- actually played piano in a Brahms oh, right. a uh, pianist. uh production with Yo-Yo Ma, which as you can as you can guess through sting gets you to
0: Sabbath pretty fast. So her problem is the, is the bacon problem.
1: Well, it's a, it's a, um, that's the, that's the place where it feels a little bit tenuous. If you're following the, I'm sure
0: she's a talking head in some documentary that had actual release. No, that's that she's, that's her lowest,
1: uh, her lowest path. But you know, the Albright students were pretty particular that television doesn't count. Um, Imogen Heap has one and, you know, uh, Imogen wrote a, uh, co-wrote a paper called musical interaction with hand posture and orientation that, uh, you know, her, her Erdos number is quite large, but her Sabbath number, she collaborated with John Bon Jovi who through Alice Cooper has a pretty good Sabbath number. Um, let's see who are some of the other ones are. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Sorry, but deep, deep, deep. Stephen Hawking has a Sabbath number uh, because he actually,
0: his voice was sampled in a uh, Pink Floyd record. I mean, the sample would be the equivalent of if footage of me on Jeopardy was used in some documentary, but I'd never actually showed up. Do you think that would that's okay for Bacon number? Well, it appears. It's given Stephen Hawking his, his uh, what are we calling this, BES number?
1: the uh the EBS number EBS put artists first uh um Mr. Rogers has uh an EBS number it's yeah. pretty easy uh, cuz he
0: sang with Ozzy that one time
1: he did a, again it was through Yo-Yo Ma and Yo-Yo Ma through Sting so uh Yo-Yo Ma and Sting are big collect uh, uh, uh connectors and you can you can imagine how that would be um uh, Lisa Cudro has uh, she she co-wrote a paper called Handedness and Headache, that through a very long chain gets her an Erdös number.
0: She has an academic paper, huh? Yeah, interesting. Although she wrote she co-wrote it with Lee
1: Kudrow, so um, and Lee Kudrow then, you know, their their uh, Lee Kudrow then wrote a paper called Sleep Apnea in Cluster Headache, and it got it got much more scientific after that.
0: I've been spending a lot of time trying to get Condi Rice's. Bacon number more legit and it looks like it's very easy to do. She's, oh, it a, is. she's in a twenty she's interviewed for a twenty eighteen documentary about the Carlisle Hotel that like Jeff that George Clooney and Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Gobler. So Tommy Lee Jones right there gets you to sure. Kevin Bacon. Bacon and JFK for in um in a number of two. Albert
1: Einstein actually has a connection to Black Sabbath because he played violin with the Juilliard Squin Quintet. Or I'm sorry, Juilliard String Quintet um but it's listed as a private performance so again it's a, it's, it's fairly low. tenuous right it's it's fun to do but um but also kind of fun to 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 smudge natalie portman uh, famously has an actual co-authorship in on a science paper about frontal lobes and then
0: you know kevin bacon easy to do do we know who the lowest erdos bacon sabbath number is and is it legit or does it use some sketchy TV documentary. I mean, um, it can't be that much lower than five or six. I the, mean, I don't know if that's possible.
1: The thing, um, the thing, like, Brian May of Queen is an astrophysicist. Right. And also in Queen. Um, that's what I hear. And so... He's got to have a very, very low one. Um, Winnie, you know, the actress that pl- played Winnie Cooper has a six, which is super
0: low. But that's only Erdus Bacon. Oh, Brian. No. M- she, oh, that's she, Sabbath? That's Sabbath too. Her, I uh, think her Erdus Bacon number is six. Oh, is six. But the, Br- Brian May's Erdus Bacon Sabbath number appears to be nine.
1: Right. So not the lowest. The lowest EBS number is five. Wow. Um, which was held by Mike Ankuss. The problem with the documentation around the Erdos Bacon Sabbath number is that this was very exciting in about 2011. And a man by the name of Ross Churchley actually had the website ErdosBaconSabbath.com, where he kind of compiled all the sort of—I mean, this was something that people loved to do in pre-wiki days— or early wiki days, and so he had all this information information cataloged at Erdos Bacon Sabbath, and then he stopped paying the money for the site, and it went defunct. And you seem to have a way to look at old websites that I don't.
0: It's the Internet Wayback Machine, Internet
1: Archive. So if I put in um, Erdos Bacon Sabbath.
0: Uh, hey, I have the answer to your Mike Ankus question. Oh. I guess a bunch of people with... They were trying to prove the, the theoretical low bound of an Erdős-Bacon Sabbath number. So they got people with, with um, acting credits to publish a paper together at a conference and then performed a song together at the conference. And the people were just chosen for their... Um, Low bacon Pro- proximity to bacon and or air to shore. Boo! And, and Mike Ankus, uh, as a result of you know, if, if you count performing a song at this conference together, right, and writing a, and and co co-auth- co authoring this kind of phony baloney paper called Reductio ad Absurdum, which was just about the lowest theoretical, they slapped their names on this paper on the lowest theoretical bound of air to bacon Sabbath number. So his Mike Ankus is now five, but you've got to count their um, their YouTube stage performance. And yeah, you know, that's which, fake. Which appeared in the subsequent short documentary about the project. So, as I look at this, there's a website called the Oracle of Bacon oracleofbacon.org. Yeah, it's like it's an engine of
1: finding bacon numbers for a given person. Right? Yeah, where you can put names in and find out how close they are. And it had not occurred to me to do until just now. Um, I spent all this time trying to connect myself to Kevin Bacon. Sexually. Through, through, <laughs> through Martin Lawrence, through, through Dwayne <laughs> Kennedy and my name appears in the oracle of bacon and it this claims i have a bacon number of 2 because what because apparently i was in a movie called lennon or mccartney which was a documentary about what musicians think about the
0: beatles and they How do you know you're how do you not know you're in this documentary?
1: Well i think what they did was they found interviews with other they found interviews with musicians musicians where they talked about um Lennon or McCartney, and then they excerpted clips of the musician talking and put it in this feature film. So through... I'm looking this up now. Through the Oracle of Bacon, I have a Bacon number of two because I was in Lennon or McCartney and Chris Pine was in Lennon or (laughs) or McCartney and he was in Beyond All Boundaries with Kevin
0: Bacon. This is a 34-minute movie with 550 archived celebrity responses so you you were probably in that movie for less than 10 seconds and,
1: and i'm almost certain that i said that george harrison was my favorite Beatle, although i've never seen the movie lennon this says there were
0: 15 people who said george harrison so you're not even original the guy who said oasis that was a true original yeah he's i am i'm gonna assume it's Noel Gallagher. how many
1: people said lennon or mccartney there were over 500 musicians
0: yeah lennon wins and it's not all musicians obviously since no, you said chris pine. pine is in it right um it's luminaries of all sorts uh Lenin won by 94 votes. Wow. No, 86 votes. Harsh toke. Well, now this is confusing. If we accept this... Yeah, because this is not a movie you had to do anything for. They used existing clips of you and put it in a movie. So and I, that would help my chances too, honestly. And I had never heard of this before, and
1: I've never seen this movie, but it's in the Oracle of Bacon. And so you have to assume that, that it counts, right? Because you're in a... You think the oracle is is an actual oracle? I mean there it is. It's the Oracle of Bacon. It it's actually canonical? it has a it has a statue of a Greek uh like some kind of Greek oracle on one side and Kevin Bacon on the other. But what so now tell me what what this means because Ozzy is in the Oracle of Bacon. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, in, in the Oracle of this movie Lennon or McCartney.
0: I wonder what he said.
1: Yeah, Ozzy and Geezer Butler are both in this movie. Ozzy is absolutely 100% a Paul McCartney fan. So he would not be abashed at that.
0: What this means is, but can you get a Sabbath number by being in a documentary with Ozzy? I don't think so. I mean, do you do you count this whole thing as a thirty-five-minute spoken word piece that you could really rock out to? Oh, hmm. I mean, if so, that means you've it's it's a real We Are the World stage that you have shared with Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie XCX. Uh, uh Guillermo del Toro, Haley Joel Osment, Tina Fey. Boy, this is amazing. You guys could do great work. Most so, of Metallica. If I have a Bacon number of
1: two and a Sabbath number of three, let's leave it at three because that's one where I can trace an unbroken chain of recordings. Does that mean I have a Bacon Sabbath number
0: of five? I guess. I, I should also note at this point, yeah. that I think I have overstated my Erdish number, or, or rather, understated I, it. I
1: overstated it because I was the
0: one that. Well, because I was looking at Gardner's attention. Wikipedia entry says that he has an Airdish number of one, but when I looked into the claim, it turns out to be one of uh, his. He was famous for his April Fools columns, and it turns oh. out to be an April Fools joke about a, a Kurdish paper, an obscure Kurdish paper that Gardner collaborated with Erdish on. In fact, but he does have a very low Erdish number of two, which would make mine
1: three. A th- Erdish number of three is incredibly
0: low. I just need that. um,
1: So we need a bacon number for you and then somehow. And then some some tambourine. Somehow I'm going to get you a Sabbath number, but but I would like a person listening to the show who has the lowest Erdish number that they, if they think they're the lowest Erdish number, please, please figure out a way we can collaborate.
0: And that concludes Erdish Bacon Sabbath. Entry 423.JB3104. Certificate number 32655 in the Omnibus. Now, futurelings, you don't have to deal with the scourge of social media. You're a lucky, lucky group of, uh, of um, uh, cyborg crustaceans. But in our day, uh, as products of our time, we were at Omnibus Project, wherever you cared to look for us. I'm at Ken Jennings on Twitter. You can find John via his Patreon. Uh, you could email us at the Project at gmail.com. Uh, the best way to support the there's so many ways to support the show. You could uh, Well, I'm kind of out of ideas. The main way to support the show would be to support our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. Really it's a go omnibus is a going concern thanks to uh, your generosity and support, and uh, I think a lot of the supporters enjoy the fun perks that they get, including a bonus episode every month. So check that out if you're if you're missing out on if on, if nine to ten Omnibuy a month are a little low. Uh, you could send us physical artifacts, like if you want to send John copies of your prospective uh, research. If he's going to audition multiple mathematicians, um, you may want to send him copies of your research so he knows you're legit. We- weirdly. In the, about five
1: or six years ago, I was getting mysterious anonymous emails from a woman who claimed to be um, the, like, handler of a brilliant mathematician who was about to blow the lid off of the world with, uh, he had invented something, it had a little bit of the flavor of all that hype that went into the the release of the of the Segway. Do you remember that when it when it was suggested that, you know, tomorrow we're yeah. going to announce this thing, it's going to revolutionize it the had world? A, it
0: had a name like Project Tangerine, and everyone was yeah. like, what is Project Tangerine that's going to remake American Cities? Is it Cold Fusion? Is it Jetpacks? Yeah, it's, it's a ho-
1: Hovercraft, and then it turned out to be the Segway, and everybody was like, huh. But she was writing me for over the space of a year And what she said, she was listened to one of my podcasts and said, listen, I feel like you're the person who would best be able to, to understand the work of this man and explain it to the world. And we, we want to use you as the spokesperson for his, uh, for his invention or his insight. And I was like a little dubious, but over the. I mean,
0: Dean Kamen's famous. Was it him? No it was,
1: I oh. don't the, the so the problem was she she continued to say, "I cannot reveal his name. I cannot tell you more. I just want you to know that we're you know you're you're our um, our chosen interlocutor, and one day soon I will send you everything and we'll fly you out here to Cape Canaveral where we're going to reveal our uh you know our our time portal or whatever. And then one day she just stopped contacting me. It seemed to be, you know, working to a head. And then she just disappeared. And I feel like maybe she. Was it after, after
0: you wrote her a large check to, um, to set up the meeting?
1: No, I think she probably stepped into the time portal and is gone. But maybe I'll meet her later in life. Maybe that's why, they, why she talked to me. Because she knows in the future, futurelings will, um, will worship us as gods. Uh, so, do, have we got any mail in our mailbag? Yeah, I'm I looking at opening the... Some stuff
0: there. Uh, let's see, Mark sent us... Oh, I think he sent you a harmonica in the past.
1: Thanks, Mark.
0: And he found something else cool from his from his dad, which is in a sweet leather case with a... Um, that is a sweet case. With kind of a... Oh, it a, looks like a slide rule. Is, you, is it a slide how rule? How did you know? Yes, this is a slide rule case. Look at that. That belonged to... Is this how I get Mark's my Erdoche number? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Mark's dad would write a paper with you. This is his mid-60s letter, which comes... I didn't realize they had these kind of cool belts because you want to, You never yeah. want to be without it. Right. You're it's walking, like a cell phone. walking around, you know, the project site. So it's got a key ring thing you clip to your belt and even a little, like, luggage tag with his name and address. If found, please return to Seaburg, Alabama. No. Well, you know, the rocket... The
1: space program had... Um, had an Alabama connection. That's true. What was
0: happening in Seaburg, Alabama? What even is Seaburg? Is there a Charlottesburg, Alabama? Oh, C hyphen. It's like it's like a, like a C apostrophe berg. And then it's A L A, which is typically Alabama and not. I need a list of census designated places in the state of Alabama. Childersburg seems to be the most (laughs) likely candidate. And is it a space program site? Childersburg, Talladega County. The Army, the the Alabama Army Ammunition Plant was located there. There it is. So, I mean, that's World War II era. But if it was still going in the, oh, here we go. The plant also secretly produced heavy water to support the Manhattan (laughs) Project. Hooray! So, wait a minute. So it was a DuPont plant for explosives, but they also did heavy water. But but, I, but almost certainly
1: that uh, this uh, this father, whose slide rule this is, knew some Manhattan people who knew Paul Erdős, Feynman.
0: Oh yeah, exactly.
1: Who have Erdős numbers? So maybe owning this slide rule is my path.
0: It's quite possible that uh, your prospective co-author here here is no longer with us. Oh sure. I mean, but maybe maybe Mark could introduce us to one of his co-authors who who is still alive. Did you ever
1: learn to use a slide rule? I have not. When I was in fifth grade, do you know how to do it. When I was in fourth grade, I'm sorry, I was in one of those gifted and talented classes, and the way that they treated gifted kids in the 70s was basically to bully them and say like, "Oh, you're smart, huh? How well, smart are you? Do you want to learn to use a slide rule?" And so they taught us how to use a slide rule. That, there was is a, a,
0: that is a mild kind of bullying to teach someone to use a slide
1: rule. There was a picture of me in the Seattle Post Intelligencer in 1978 as a like a kid in a Cub Scout uniform using a slide rule, except it was a giant slide rule. And now I don't remember how to do it.
0: I also got into this one's just to me. Sorry. It's it's <laughs> happy birthday from Julie. Uh, a late 40s gen xer who says she liked the Samantha Smith episode and she feels that our gen x content represents our generation and struggles uh accurately hey thank from her you perspective thank you from our perspective too <laughs> tackling the challenges of being between 47 and 52 is that what this show is about apparently no
1: you can listen to this show at any age
0: but but is that the is that the in, in her in her view that's the overarching theme of the show is this the travails of being between 47 and 52.
1: You're 47. I am. I'm 52. You are. So there it is. What? The, and we we encounter generation gaps all the time.
0: She also sent me a $5 bill. Hey. Um, it's because it's, it's my birthday. I'm not going to share it with you. Oh, oh. Maybe she sent you something in September. or yeah. September, is that right? She sounds like a grandma. Well, she actually wrote your fan, middle-aged, quote, Grandma Julie. And I don't think she's actually a grandma. She's just a grandma in the sense that she just sent me a $5 bill. Yeah. And uh, a Sierra Club card of um, Yosemite, I think. I can't actually tell. Thank you, Julie.
1: Well, happy belated birthday, Ken, although I celebrated your birthday in the moment.
0: And uh, uh, I guess, what else did I say? Oh, and you can find your fellow futurelings, possibly even Mark or Julie, who are now celebrities. Now they have Jennings Roderick numbers of one because we've mentioned them on the show. Mm. Um yeah, compute how how far you are away from someone who's been mentioned on Omnibus.
1: A <laughs> Jennings Roderick number. I really like that a lot. Or yeah. having collaborated with us, you have to you have way.
0: to have met them in person, right? You can't just like because otherwise the the Facebook group, the Discord, all these futurelings um, destinations to which I commend you, um, you know, they would just immediately get in a thousand people.
1: You you can have a Jennings Roderick number by by. Uh, by being mentioned on the show, but then to get a further Substitute, one, you have yeah. to meet the person.
0: The first step is just with the podcast; it's just mentioning on the podcast. Is it a Jennings Roderick number or a Roderick Jennings number? Roderick Jennings. They both sound pretty good. I don't, do. have, I don't have a strong I usually. Like I don't care about if my name is first. Like I just like the strong name to be second. Maybe Jennings Roderick. I think Jennings Roderick is good. Yeah. Roderick Jennings sounds like a single person who is yeah right a solicitor right.
1: Roderick Jennings. But Jennings Roderick, that's a great hyphen. It really is. Future links from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.